You are listening to episode four of the Live Free Mama podcast. Welcome to the Live Free Mama podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Quinn, and I am a mom on a mission to help you launch, grow, and scale a profitable freelance business from home. Join me each week for tangible business advice, along with inspiring interviews, all designed to help you mom strong, work smart, and live free. So grab your coffee, water, or wine, and let's dive on in. Welcome, friends. You are in for a real treat today. I get to introduce you to an amazing entrepreneur and friend, Samantha Johnston. Samantha is the founder and creative director of Neapolitan Creative, where she helps determined, fun-loving lady bosses who are ready to elevate their visual and web presence, create feminine, accessible, and timeless brands. And we discuss her journey today from hobby side business and doing work for free, which she did for way too long, to finally starting to charge for her expertise, to quitting her corporate job, and now being an influencer in the branding and design space. If you want to be in the design and branding space, or you already are and want to grow and scale that business, this episode is for you. But if you aren't in the design space and don't want to be, this episode is still for you because Samantha so generously shares with us her story and how she went from hobby business making pennies to a scaling, thriving business that not only provides for her family, but others as well. And there are three key mindset shifts that we can take away from Samantha's journey, no matter what industry or business you are in. And let's go ahead and dive on in because this is kind of a long episode, but it is so worth it. And I just could not cut our conversation short because Samantha was giving us such awesome advice and takeaways. Hey, Samantha, thank you so much for being here today. I am excited to chat with you today all about your business, how you got started five and a half years ago, and kind of just like just learning from you and your journey and experience. And I am so excited for all of the moms in our audience who maybe don't know you yet to finally meet you and finally get to know you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here today. Yay. Well, I'm happy to have you. We talk a lot on Voxer and you have been guys like, if you don't know this about Samantha, she is the most giving and most like just, I don't know, any tech and type of problem I have, I go to Samantha and she, she solves all my problems. (laughs) So she's a great person, a great person to know. But before we dive into like all of the business stuff and your journey and all of that, I would just love if you could um, tell us more about like you and your family and maybe some of the fun stuff. Just like, who are you? What what are you about? Um, Well, if you asked my husband, I'd be all about the techie stuff and my business because I'm a workaholic, but, (laughs) (laughs) but no, I, so I'm married, uh, obviously, and I have two smallish children. Uh, they're four and a half and almost nine. So they're not exactly small anymore. They're starting to get very independent and I have a hundred pound lap dog. She's a massive mix. She, uh, she, she doesn't know her size. 
but yeah, no, uh, as a family, we love like Disneyland because we're so Cal natives. Uh, so, but not Dis- for long because I'm working on getting her and her <laughs> husband to move to Kansas City. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, uh, but Disneyland, my husband loves the beach. I am not, surprisingly, not a beach person. Yes, as a SoCal native, I do not like the beach. Um, it, it's not my favorite place. But I do like the mountains, which we also have close by, which is awesome. So we went camping this year, though. Instead of going to our close by mountains, we went about six hours away. <laughs> the joy of living in California. Wow. Six hours is still California. So yeah, but I mean, just uh, outdoors, having fun, anything relaxing is kind of our our vibe. Very yeah. California-esque. Very cool. Well, huh. okay. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll need to work on my how can we bring this California outdoor-esque vibe to Kansas City. It's possible, but I'm working on it. I'm just working on the, honey, it's cheaper to live there. <laughs> oh, seriously. Seriously. Okay. So tell us about your business. You are the owner, founder, and creative director of Neapolitan Creative. Tell us a little bit more about about what you do. What's your business? Okay. So our business is all about branding and websites. So branding in the sense of not just a pretty logo, but really the essence of your business, the emotions you want people to feel about it, the impressions you want to give, all of that psychological side of what your business really is. And then uh, we take that and we implement it and create you amazingly beautiful websites that don't just look good, but also convert. So they're pulling people into your opt-ins. They're getting people to buy from you or connect with you. We talk to you about what your goals are to really make sure that your website is like an employee and that that employee is really worth the money. Uh, We don't want you to spend a bunch of money on a website that just sits there and looks pretty. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. So what did you do before Neapolitan Creative? I think the question is, what didn't I do before? (laughs) You do. (laughs) Uh, Because there's too many things. Uh, So immediately before, uh, I was an office administrator. So I, or office manager, I ran a construction company's um, satellite office. So in charge of all of the billing and everybody who came in the front door. Basically, I was like the one admin for an entire SoCal office of engineers and estimators and and all those fun people. And then before that, I worked for Apple for four and a half years. Uh, Yes, that's where a lot of tech knowledge and and Mm. things come from, which also coincidentally, in a conversation recently with, I think it was Brittany in the Boss Mom Academy, I want to say we had Mm -hmm. this conversation. Uh, She brought up the topic of how Apple sells computers which totally made me look back at how I sold computers when I worked there. And I went, oh my gosh, I've never thought about this. I need to apply this to my business. Yeah. Like I have the training. I have the know-how. I did it uh, in a day-to-day, but I never evaluated how or why, like as it applies to my business. It was really kind of cool because uh, the conversation with Brittany, sorry, totally off topic here. Um, But the conversation with Brittany was about the fact of like having the different buckets of people that you sell basically a similar product or same mm-hmm. product to and Apple sells computers, but they sell them to, you know, educators or families or the pros and how they separate that out and how their computers are kind of differentiated. And so 
I went down the rabbit hole of, of Apple. I was like, well, you know, we don't just sell one computer to all people in, in three different ways. We actually ask them these certain types of questions. And then we pick out this specific computer based on the hardware, software, et cetera, based upon what their needs are. And uh, so, yeah, so it was, it was really interesting and really intriguing. And I never thought about how Apple's training actually applied to what I do now. And then, yeah, before that was mostly office jobs as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, I've been anything from a vocal coach. So I, I traveled around for a summer and uh, taught people how to sing. Uh, Can you teach me how to <laughs> sing? I have the worst voice in the entire <laughs> world. Like, you know, that question, like if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? I wish I could have a good, I wish I had a good voice. You probably have a better voice than you think. No, like my three-year-old daughter tells me to stop singing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't sing in church because it's so awful. (laughs) All right. Boss mom retreat. We're finding a piano. (laughs) We're going to hash this out. Okay. We're on it. So you've done a lot. You've done vocal coaching, office, admin, Apple. Everything (sighs) under the sun. (laughs) Everything under the sun. How? Okay. Before we get to how. Let's actually talk about like why. Why did you start a business? What like what did that look like? Cuz guys, if you don't know, her business is about 5 and a half years old. Uh, so business is a little bit older, but I've been full time in it for about 5 5 and a half years. Okay. Um so how old is business? Okay, so it started as a hobby in 2009, so it's almost 9 years old. Oh um, my lord. But uh, uh about seven years ago is when I started to to really start to see progress beyond hobby. Mm-hmm. And then it was that five and a half. So it was like two years in between each. So it was like hobby starting to grow into more of a business and then, okay, jump ship and it's full-time business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. So I've been around for a while. Why did you start this hobby? It was something I was good at and I enjoyed it just to be completely honest, uh, it kind of landed in my lap. So I used to actually, back when I, if you go way, 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 way back, number of years, uh, towards more the beginning of this journey, um, I was on the Boss Mom podcast. Mm-hmm. And I actually said that I never dreamt of being an entrepreneur. And then the more I thought of it, I realized I was completely wrong in that statement because I did. I just didn't think of it in the sense of like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Right. And what I discovered is that I used to play at this because I have that tech side. Like I was, mm-hmm. a, when I was a kid growing up, I took apart calculators to see how they worked and not always did I put them back together so that they worked again. But I like totally had different hobbies as kids. <laughs> <laughs> we, well, my parents bought us a kit this one time that where like you do the circuitry and you connect and like it creates like the car alarm or like you do other things. My favorite one was always tapping into the radio so that the person in the next room, if they were on the right AM channel, could hear you through the microphone. And the other, anyway, yes, this is how I was as a kid. I had to figure out how things worked and, and why, and I wanted to tinker with everything. And when the internet came and websites came, I had to tinker and I had to play and I had to figure things out. And my mom was creative. She actually has a degree in radio, television, and film and photography Mm -hmm. and graphic. Well, actually I think she's, I don't know if it's graphic design or she's got an arts one as well. Fine Mm -hmm. art. She's got multiple associate's degrees and then her big bachelor's degree. So I was always involved in what she was doing that brought out the creative side. And then I had the kind of the techie tinkering side and Mm -hmm. kind of melded those two. And so 
I started playing with like Yahoo business or Yahoo small business where it was like the tiny little website builder. Mm -hmm. And then I moved into Dreamweaver and I was trying to build websites for me and my friend who were dreaming up these random businesses that didn't exist, but we tried to make them exist. And this was like in the early 2000s that I kind of started playing with all of this. And as I continued to play with it and find new tools and things, I eventually landed on WordPress. And when I landed Mm -hmm. on WordPress, it was like the answer to all my, my dreams. Because before WordPress, I was building websites where I could hand them off, but people couldn't make changes unless they came back to me. And Mm -hmm. that annoyed me. Mm-hmm. So WordPress gave me the ability to create a site, hand it off, and people can log into the back end and do posts and all this other fun stuff. So I loved that. And I started getting like my mom saying, hey, I have this friend who wants this site. Could you do it? Yeah, sure. I could do it. So I'd do it. And the more I started being asked and the more I, I did it, the more I started realizing I should really be charging <laughs> for this. Oh my gosh. You weren't yeah. charging for this stuff? No, I built a, I built a, so there was like a teacher. My mom worked at a school district. Uh, there was a teacher that wanted to do photography during the summer to build extra income, you know, because teachers don't get paid during the summer. Teachers don't Uh, make a lot of money. Yeah. My dad was a teacher that much. I know too, (laughs) but uh, my dad always worked overtime, but there was a teacher who wanted to have like that summer job as a photographer. And so I built her a website and I didn't charge for it. And then it was somebody else. I was in a group of like moms that were trying to build businesses that were local to me. And it was, hey, you know, so-and-so has a WordPress blog or wants to move their blog to WordPress. Uh, could you help them? Could you do this? Could you do that? And I was doing all this stuff for free. What year is this again? Because this is 2009. This is 2009. <laughs> this is, okay. This is, this is when I was like, okay, so this is the hobby. I'm starting to build websites. I'm starting to build people who can see that I have value, who are asking me questions, who are coming to me as somebody who has the answers. And so uh, this is also the year I gave birth to my daughter. So Mm. of course I'm like on maternity leave and I'm doing this stuff and I'm having fun. Um, And I was fortunate enough. So I had my daughter while I worked at Apple and I was fortunate enough to basically as my maternity leave started to end, I called my manager and I said, um, I don't want to come back to work, but I can't afford to not come back to work. Um, <laughs> every every boss's like favorite call. Right? No, but I had awesome, awesome bosses. And I loved, absolutely loved working for Apple. If it weren't for the crappy hours of retail, I would still be there. So I basically asked them, I said, look, my husband works mo- Monday through Friday. I don't want to put my daughter in daycare. Can I just work the weekends? Like those are the days nobody wants to work. Can I just work weekends and have the weekdays? And they, so we worked out this whole schedule and I went back very part-time with a lot of privileges and a lot of, probably paid a lot more than most people who work just weekends. So I worked it out. And so I was able to build my business Monday through Friday with my daughter home with me because infants don't do a whole bunch in the beginning. Um, And so I started taking that hobby into more of a business, but it wasn't until 2011 when a lot of my mindset started to shift. Mm -hmm. And that was the year my dad committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And that's also when I left Apple. Mm -hmm. So uh, when my dad committed suicide, we had a very big revelation. And that was as a family, my husband and I were passing ships because mm-hmm. he worked weekdays and I worked weekends. Yeah. So there was never a day where like the three of us could go and do something. Yeah. Um, and with my dad passing, it was that big, like, no, 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 no. We need, we need family. Yeah. And so I went in search of a nine to five 
my daughter went to daycare, which was the hardest thing in the world. But I at least found a really good school and it was like minutes from my work. And, you know, I had understanding bosses that allowed me to go to all the like Mother's Day brunch or, you know, things that Mm -hmm. they did at her school. So it worked out for the time that it lasted. But as that neared in 2013, it started to become a bit of a toxic environment for me. And that was mainly due to uh, corporate. As I said, I was a set, we were a satellite office. Corporate started getting a bit petty and there was like rumors and talks and all this stuff. And I was like, I came home crying one night and my husband looked at me and he said, you're quitting tomorrow. You're giving them your husband. (laughs) He's like, this is, I'm done with this, uh, what it's done to you emotionally. And now like, this is, this is just the breaking point. Like we're done. Um, you don't need this. We don't need this. He's like, your business is making about half as much as what you bring in each month. So let's look at our expenses. We'll cut things down. We'll figure it out. Like we did Mm. not have a safety net. There was no savings. We just made the leap. Uh, so I, I walked in and I gave my two weeks notice, which was the scariest thing ever. And then and then here's the fun one. Uh, a month after I gave my two weeks, so two weeks into being full-time on my own, I found out I was pregnant with baby number two. Woo-hoo! <laughs> exactly <laughs> what you want when you have just cut down your income. Um, yeah. So yeah, but uh, that, that's, the, that's the story of, of hobby to business to, to taking the leap. So it was just recognizing the signs of when enough was enough yeah. and, uh, and making the leap. And it's, it was a super scary leap, but we did it. We haven't looked back. And you're still here and you're still, still kicking it. Things are growing and we're going to, we're going to get to all of that. I want to kind of unpack, um, unpack some of this stuff. Cause you like just took us on. I know. I'm sorry. I, was like, wow. I just uh, talked a lot. <laughs> uh, no, I love it. But like a wild ride. Oh, that was, that was just the beginning that there was the wild ride was the next year. Oh, yay. There's more. I'm so excited for this. So like. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> like I need, like I need a moment to pause, mm-hmm. but so this whole time you have, you've had these talents, you've had these, the skill set. you started doing work for free for others. You finally started charging. There were some job shifts, some major family life events happening, and you eventually made that leap to I'm, I'm like, I'm in, I'm in my business. Were, were your clients online clients in 2013 or were they all local? Hey there, real quick interruption from me, Michaela Quinn. Anyways, I wanted to make sure that you knew that we just added a 12 month payment plan to our program, the Live Free Academy. You can enroll and get started today for just one forty-seven. If you go to go.michaelaquinn.com or just head to the show notes on this episode, we've got it linked there as well. You can read all the details and click one of the buttons to go enroll. And on there, you'll see the 12-month payment plan option. When you choose the 12-month payment plan option, you get the entire course the second you enroll. We don't hold anything back because you're on a payment plan you'll get access to the how to build your business from start to finish course, skills training, the job leads board, the coaching calls, the student community Facebook group, and everything else that is a part of the Live Free Academy program so that you can get started freelancing and land your first client in 30 days, 60 days, however long it takes you to go through the course and then start implementing. 
Again, you can see all the details at go.michaelacorn.com forward slash academy or head to the show notes and click the link there. All right, back to the show. Oh gosh, I was about to say 100%, but actually I had a couple of local people. So uh, like I lived in Orange County at the time and there was a Orange County Moms group and mm-hmm. in that group were a few business owners as well. So I had a couple of those ladies, but I would say, I would almost say the majority of my people were online, but I had, I had a couple of, of local people. Mm-hmm. So let's maybe now talk about some of that. Like, how did you build your business? Because I, and like, how did you learn? Like, I just, I didn't learn about this online business world and like, being a business owner and an entrepreneur and service-based business and all the possibilities until like 2016. And I felt like when I got started, oh my gosh, like this is brand new, but it it wasn't, it was just brand new to me at that time. So what did, um, like starting your business, you, you had a couple clients, you were halfway to like replacing your full-time income. How did you get there? So there were a lot of revelations uh, after getting there. So, uh, but to get there in the first place, it was a lot of just getting to know people. I, as I tell everybody who talks to me, especially people who like to do spammy stuff on Facebook, and I, I have a <laughs> nice heart to heart with them. Relationships. It's a hundred percent. My business was one hundred percent built on relationships. So, as I talked about, like giving stuff away for free now. Not everybody has to give stuff away for free, and but to the I had that to, you did. I yeah, definitely not to the extent that I did. But I mean, I don't regret what I did. I, it just isn't always one hundred percent the right choice for everybody. Right. What I did though was I I got into the groups and I got to know people. I I didn't just go in and talk to them about what I could do. I offered knowledge. I offered expertise. I offered friendship. I offered, you know, being with them in in a in that sort of capacity, not like trying to sell them stuff. Yeah. So for me, it was a hundred percent. Like I think about it, like if you go back to the olden days when people got milk delivered to their doorstep, most people knew their milkman by name. He was a salesman. He built that relationship. He, you know, people used to know their postman by name. It's things like that. And it's those door to door, like kind of salesman type things, like without being salesy, you build the relationship and the rapport and those are the people that people bought from, you know, or Mm -hmm. so-and-so had the appliance store down the shop, you know, but Mm -hmm. you knew them. So that's where you went. So it's that relationship aspect. So a lot of people will use like networking, but to me, networking is like, here's what I do. Here's what you do. Now let's try to sell for each other. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even that aspect for me. It was simply relationships. So I would hop in, I hopped into Facebook groups And I chatted with people there. So somebody would be like, I'm trying to do this on my website and I can't figure it out. And I would just pop in a comment. You do X, Y, and Z, you know, kind of thing. Oh my goodness. Great. Thanks. You know, really simple answers. Like you don't have to give away everything. Right. And then in the local groups, it was just simply chatting with them. And Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, there's even, uh, this is actually probably even more relevant now because of the, we're all so deep into to business to this extent. Like it's, it's changed a lot since where I was, but a girl in one of the programs that I'm in, a lady and uh, she's not a girl, she's a lady. Anyway, she was talking about talk about what you do often, but not necessarily in a salesy way. Like she was at, she went to the gym and she started talking to them and just asking them questions about their systems and their website and their stuff. 
And they started talking to her and just in a natural conversation started saying things about stuff that they didn't like about how it worked and what it did. And so she was like, oh, well, you know, you could try X, Y, and Z and offered, you know, just some advice. She's not going in and doing stuff for them. She's just talking to them about it. And now they're going to turn into a client. But she didn't go in with the intention of, I'm going to sell you something. It was the intention of, I, I'm just curious. I'm going to ask questions. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build that relationship. And that's, that's the difference. So that's mm-hmm. how I built my business. I, I literally got into every, I mean, I tried a couple of local networking groups. They were really awful and filled with like MLMs, which did mm-hmm. not fit. Like no MLMs going to hire me to build a website or right. do their brand. So yeah. So what I found was really finding the Facebook groups where the people that I jived with existed and who could possibly use my services mm-hmm. or know somebody who could use my services. So, right. I love that. And the Facebook groups, when you're in those Facebook group guys, it is 100% about building relationships. It is not, it is not about going in and posting, Hey, who wants to buy this from me? No one wants to buy from that person. They want to buy from people that they know that they, that they like, that they're friends with, that they connect with. And so the relationship that like, I'm a firm believer of the relationship building aspect to find clients too. And not only is it not like salesy and like blah feeling, but it's, it's just more natural. Yeah. It, it. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're yeah, sorry. no, I, I had something great to say and then it left my mind. I could tell. I am, this pregnant brain stuff is, is crap. It really is. But it's, it, you're right. It's natural. It's, it's comfortable. It's what you do. And then you can still apply that, that same aspect into your personal life. So telling like when you're at your, at your hairdresser and she's asking, Oh, what's up? Telling her about like your business that you're starting or the business that you're doing. And it's not always about like the person that you're talking to or telling about them hiring you, but it's just about developing those connections and those relationships because mm-hmm. she might, people like to connect people and they help do. people out. And if I'm sitting there talking to my hairdresser and telling her, you know, what I do, she might be like, oh my gosh, I like, give me your business card. You need to talk to my friend, Sally, or maybe she doesn't have anything off the top of her mind, but then she's three appointments later, she's talking to someone and someone says something and they're like, oh my God, you need to look up this lady and talk to her, blah, 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 blah. So it's, there's so many connections and possibilities that can come from, from that relationship building and just telling people about what you do, how you can help them and, and, and asking them questions too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I most recently had somebody ask me for my card at my kids, uh, my gym class. So, I mean, just chatting with one of the other moms and she's like, Oh, my husband does something similar. Uh, but you know, he does like this portion and it's something that's like after what I do. Yeah. And she's like, you know, could I have your business card because he may be able to refer people to me or vice versa and stuff. Of course I didn't have a business card on me. So lesson, there's a mistake that I had done there. <laughs> so lesson learned people keep a business card, even if it's the crappy one, as long as it has your information on it, always have a business card. Yeah. Awesome. So you've mentioned a couple of times that there's been some mindset things that you, some shifts that you've had, and especially around your, your dad's suicide, were those mindset things about more like 
life's too short, you know, create what you want. Or I'm wondering if you had some mindset things along the lines of like starting a business and like those, those fears that, that happen when you're doing something different or you're starting something new. I had just about all of them. Um, (laughs) so you touched on, I mean, I've, I've had obviously the family ones and those stem from several places. So my dad committed suicide in 2011. 2013 was when I made the leap, which was super scary. So I obviously had to get over the like, oh my gosh, like, is this the worst decision we ever made? Am I actually good enough? Can I do this? Can I get the clients? Though I think that the initial the initial mindset around the leap, while it was scary, was excitement. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was, I'm going to just dive head first. I have no idea what I'm getting myself into, but I'm going for it. And then once the excitement honeymoon phase of like, yeah, I'm at my own boss uh, wore off, uh, I think that's when the scary set in more. And I had to kind of talk myself through it and figure things out. But also, as I talked about before, that was not the biggest part of the roller coaster for me. Mm-hmm. The biggest part of the roller coaster was literally my first year in business mm-hmm. as a full-time business owner. And that included giving birth to my son who was born blue, limp, and unresponsive. Oh my God. So he had to be resuscitated right after birth. He had what was called shoulder dystocia, which traps the umbilical cord between him and me and wraps it around his neck. Mm. So he cut off his oxygen supply during birth. So super scary. Um, And he was not an easy baby. (laughs) So I, I had that. And then within a week of him being born, my husband had appendectomy. So he had to have his appendix removed because he had appendicitis, Uh, which when they did the scans for that discovered or rather informed us of a growth on his kidney that apparently had been there for three years that nobody ever told us about, Oh my gosh. Um, which then was a 50-50 chance of being cancer. So we ended up scheduling. So that was all in March. So we scheduled for June for him to have the surgery because he was going to need to take extended time off, at which point we also, for some reason, decided it was a good time to put our condo on the market. <laughs> I don't know why we did like condo and surgery the same month, but we did. We were crazy. And so our condo sold when he had surgery, like literally right around the same time. And then he ended up 10 days after his surgery uh, being rushed to the ER because, well, what we ended up finding out was he was in excruciating pain. And what we found out was he was in excruciating pain because he was bleeding out internally. Mm. He spent six days in ICU. And I had to, during those six days, pack us up and move us out because we had to be out by the end of the week. So with my what was that, like four-month-old and and four-and-a-half-year-old, I packed up a condo, moved us out, and uh, tried to see my husband in the ICU as often as possible because kids can't go into the ICU. They have fabulous nurses who come and sit with your children. They're awesome. Um, (laughs) But so super scary. And I had at the same time, I'm still trying to run my business because I had clients. But the biggest thing that happened to me during that time and the biggest shift that has to do with mindset, I'm still there. I know it sounded like a tangent, but I'm getting (laughs) No, I I love I I'm loving this because it I mean it just shows you that there's so many people that are sitting there they have an idea they want to do something they want to make something better for themselves and there's just so many excuses and easy outs and like your story it you've had so many challenges and so many like things thrown your way and obstacles and you didn't pack it up and throw in the towel and give up oh I wanted to. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know, a, I know. There was a point you, where I wanted to. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm, I'm loving this because it's, it's, it's just very, 
yeah, powerful to to hear and see that you've come out on the other side and things are going amazing. Yeah. And that that's really what ended up happening. So during those times, uh, the two scariest times, you know, giving birth to a child that wasn't alive. Uh, <sighs> thankfully, he still is and now he's rambunctious as ever. <laughs> and then my husband's two surgeries and the biggest one being cancer, which by the way was cancer, though negative margin, so no chemo or anything. So but now we go through every six months of holding our breath as they do new scans and tests. So mm-hmm. that's always a joy. But the biggest thing that happened during that was I had clients that were terrible. They were the most awful, awful clients. And so I stepped back and I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to work with these people. Like I had people who were like, I know your husband almost died, but where's my stuff? Like, like literally, or oh. I know you're still in the hospital because you just gave birth, but where's my stuff? Like, and I was like, are you kidding me? Seriously? <laughs> like, I'm not working with the right people. I get yeah. that they have deadlines, but if they can't understand that life happens, know, like, life and- happens and, and I need to be in somewhere else, like there, there's a higher priority than their yeah. stuff right now, uh, then they're not the right people for me. So it was the end of 2014 when we finally like, because we moved in with my mom in Trum and then we moved into a house because our condo sold before we had a chance to look for a house because my mm-hmm. husband had surgery because we were crazy and we planned things wrong, planned things wrong. <laughs> um, but once things started to settle and I started to do the, oh my gosh, is this even what I want to do? Like I'm dreading it. Like I, I had clients still and I was still making income, but I was like, I dread walking into my office. I dread going back. And I was like, I, I'm not my own boss to dread what I do. Like there's something wrong. So it was that at that moment that I was like, I'm doing something wrong in my business. So I started just to evaluate things. I started to evaluate the ideal clients. I started to, which at the time I'd never done and I'd never even heard the term ideal clients or Mm -hmm. ICA. Um, So I started discovering other groups like savvy business owners and a few other ones where I had a whole new perspective on business and realized that while I had a business and I'd gone full-time in my business and I was making income, I wasn't treating it as a business. And that was a huge mindset shift for me too, was I was still treating it as the hobby. It was something I did. It was casual. It wasn't, I wasn't being serious enough. And so that was a huge mindset shift for me. And when I made that shift in my mind of this is a serious business, I need to run it as a business. I need to start acting like I'm in charge here and not just casually doing things that I like. I started to see momentum in my business and I started to actually see that it was building more than just, you know, kind of hanging out. And so that's when I started to see the growth that I wanted to see in my business. And I started to get better clients and I started to have more confidence in myself and start to raise my rates so that I actually made a decent income. Because for the first several years, you know, you, you operated a loss and that was very much me. Though it helped our taxes a ton because you're sole proprietor. So it's fantastic. But yeah, so I mean, it took some of those mindset shifts. And then in, gosh, what year was that? I want to say it was like 2016, might've been 15. I can't remember what year she did it, but Heather did the the Savvy Experience. It was her like conference, non-conference type event. And Jessica Rasdell got up and she stood on stage and she talked about taking your weaknesses and shifting your mindset around those and how could you turn them into a strength? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I thought was one of my biggest weaknesses or the not even necessarily a weakness, but a reason I couldn't charge as much as other people in my space. The reason I had to keep my rates so low 
was because I didn't have a college degree in what I was doing, mm-hmm. which surprisingly enough, most people out there who build websites and do design don't have a degree in websites and design. Just a, a news flash. But to me, not having any degree on my wall, it made me feel like I was inferior in some way. And I, mm-hmm. so I had to hold myself back. And so I thought, okay, well, how do I shift that? How do I, you know, how do, how do I make that uh, a strength instead? How do I change that mindset? And what ended up occurring to me was that not having a degree and being self-taught doesn't mean that I don't know as much. What it means is that I know how to find answers mm-hmm. when the answers aren't right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Whereas most people who actually go through training for this sort of stuff, they're taught a specific way of doing things. They, they were given kind of the answers along the way. Mm-hmm. So they're not as much of a problem-solving mindset and they have a specific structure that they use, which in some cases is fantastic. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm a little bit more flexible and mm-hmm. um, not as rigid in, in how I do things because I know a couple different ways of doing things because I haven't learned just one method or, or one way. I've learned several along the way. So when I started to realize that, that I could bring that added value to people, because I'm not just going to look at my clients and go, oh, well, I can't do that. I don't know how. Um, I'm going to say, okay, well, let me research that because I'm totally intrigued, the tinkerer in me, right? Yeah. Totally intrigued. I want to figure out how we can make this work. um, And I'm going to go find a a solution to it. So that was a huge and probably one of the biggest mindset shifts uh, besides thinking of my business as a business and not a hobby. Mm -hmm. Um, Those two combined just kind of like skyrocketed things. It's awesome. Yeah. And I think so many people can relate to that, that degree or I don't have this, like who am I to offer this? There's so many other people that can do it better. or You know, they have that degree and I love that looking at your weaknesses and turning them into a strength. For me, that was a big shift too. And the person who helped me see that was Jennifer Rosenbaum at the boss mom retreat with her whole flip the script talk. And it totally, it totally is. There's, if you're sitting, like you're sitting there, you're thinking there's something like, I I don't have this or I'm not X or I'm too whatever. How can you see the positive side of that? Like what, what has that done for you? And I love that, you know, you don't have that degree. You are a answer searcher, a problem solver. And that brings such a better value to clients because you're not a like you said, you're not a, oh, nope, that can't be done. You're a, I'm going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're going to make ass- it happen. <laughs> I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. And I would assume that you, I think people that are self-taught, you're more creative in a lot of ways and you, you are an outside of the box thinker. And so it's, I think that is just such a huge asset and, um, such a valuable thing that you can do if it, if you look at your weaknesses and or what you perceive to be your weakness because it's what you're telling yourself that's a weakness it's it's not the truth it's just your mm-hmm. your ideas your thoughts one of mine is i always would tell myself you're so impulsive you're never going to get anywhere because you're too impulsive oh but impulsive can be fun impulsive can be so fun and it actually gets me somewhere because i'm doing something so once i realized that that it can actually be a strength and saw that strength and own it it's freeing and you yeah. move past those, past some of those, those blocks. So taking yeah. your business serious and, you know, not letting your weaknesses kind of determine what you do 
are two huge shifts. I think all businesses need to take no matter what type of business you're in to start finding some of that success and reach that success. Yeah, definitely. And even being as far along in your business as as I am, and I I still don't feel like I'm super far along, though it's really funny as I've now started to have people call me like boss mom famous and boss mom famous. What are you talking about? (laughs) So I chuckle at at things when people are like, oh my gosh, like people are like, oh my gosh, you know, Sam. And I'm like, really? I'm not that kind of person. (laughs) Um, So one, you don't ever feel like you're as far along as you actually are in your business. But two, one thing that I've learned being where I'm at now is that there are always mindset shifts that still need to happen. There's always going to be some sort of block that you come up against and you're going to have to figure out how to get around them if you don't have a method yourself for getting around them, and sometimes we can have them for the small ones, find somebody who can, who can help you, whether it's like an accountability buddy or a life coach or somebody who, or a business coach who you can talk it out with. Best example for, for me is I recently just made a gigantic investment in myself and my business. One of the scariest things I've ever done. It's probably the second largest monthly payment I'm going to have with the first being my mortgage. <laughs> so that's it's big. A, it's, a giant, it's a giant commitment. Yes. It only lasts for a year and not 30 years like my house, but <laughs> it's still a big, <laughs> it's still a big investment. Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking about it and I, I reached out to my trusted friends and advisors and, and business people. And I said, okay, look, like I need to weigh the options here. Is this the best decision for me? You know, I'm kind of in that honeymoon phase. Like I, I recognized that because we, we all have to recognize the shiny object in honeymoon phase situations. And I said, you know, is this the right decision? And then once I'd made sure that it was the right decision, I still wasn't pulling the trigger. Mm-hmm. And so my next call was Valerie Friedlander. And mm-hmm. I said, all right, what am I not asking myself? There is a mental block in here that is keeping me from submitting my application to this program, even though I've decided it's the right thing. Mm-hmm. And she said, okay, well, let's talk it through. And it, we went through the why it's the right, why it wouldn't, what would happen if I did or didn't, you know, went through all the questions and then what would my life be like with and without and all this fun stuff uh, to evaluate. So I had to get through a mental block because for me, pulling the trigger on a large investment was a mental block. It needed a mindset shift mm-hmm. as to what that looked like for me and, mm-hmm. and what it could do. So definitely know that even though I've had these mental and, and mindset shifts and, and all that fun stuff, I still have moments where I need those moments of clarity and, and mindset shifts that happen and having the right people in your corner to help you through those is what's key because I don't think I've made it through a single mindset shift without the help of somebody else. Yeah. Having having that support, having that community that get you and a lot i'm i'm sure a lot of these people for you that you trusted and went to are maybe connections you've got from the online space they weren't like your best mm-hmm. friend next door or your neighbor because when you're in the online space and you're you're starting your own business a lot of times the people who've known you the longest or like are your best friends in real life they don't get all the time the decisions and what's going on in an online business. So it is so valuable and important to have those, those online business friends and those people that mentor or that person that you can trust and that you can go to, or just your accountability buddy and talk, talk things out from someone who gets it, who understands and kind of like knows your business and knows what you're wanting. 
Yeah. And it stems from uh, what we talked about earlier, building those relationships. So for me, the trusted people that I reached out to were not my best friend. It wasn't even my husband. Well, yes, I discussed this investment with him because <laughs> that would just be cruel, awful not to. Yeah. My question to my husband wasn't, is this the right decision for me? It was, if I want to make this decision, will you support it? Are you on board with me investing this amount of money into it? And that sort of thing. And my husband basically my husband's response was, so long as the money comes from your business, I know you are amazing. It will be amazing for you. I 100% support you. It just has to come out of your account and not ours. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you got it. Um, but the people that I reached out to were my biz bestie and she's been, uh, we actually got paired as accountability partners about two and a half years ago and we've chatted every week for the last two and a half years. I mean, with a few weeks amiss for vacations and things, but we knew each other so well and we've watched each other's businesses grow and change. So she was able to speak to me from the standpoint of, cause I came at it, uh, you know, okay, these are the three main things that this program works on. Could I instead invest in people who would do these things for me versus this mastermind where I would learn how to do it, et cetera. And she spoke to it in the, I know you, you'd get more joy from learning it and doing it yourself. And then hiring people to implement, not hiring people, just to, to tell you what to do. I was like, you're so right. Mm. So having somebody who knew me to that extent, and then I chatted with a person that I work with that, uh, you know, on another team and she knows more the logic based and I knew she'd ask me the logic based questions. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted her to ask me that. And then I asked somebody else who'd been in an experience like this, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that I trusted, you know, what was your experience? Did you get ROI out of your experience and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So it was finding the people who I could ask the certain questions and knowing who, who to ask, because it's mm -hmm. not even just one person. Each person had a different perspective on me and a different perspective on a type of program. Yeah. So. I like that. I love that. And so you mentioned hiring and you want to hire yeah. people to, to help implement. And I know this because you are one of the biggest supporters of hiring live free mamas. And I absolutely, absolutely love that. But I want to kind of talk to you about this idea of growing your business by growing a team, because there are, there's lots of ways to grow and scale a business, especially when you're in your, in the service-based area. But I did, I wanted to see if you could kind of speak on what it's like to grow your team and take people on and let them come, let them be a part of your vision and your dream and what that, what that looks like for you and um, Neapolitan creative. Yeah, definitely. This year is the year that I've actually grown my team and my word for the year was expand, which we have um, more than I ever dreamed of. I thought I'd bring on like one, maybe two people and now have a team of five. That is amazing. Most of which came through you. <laughs> so when I first started it though, I actually started with somebody who's, who's no longer with my team. She was super sweet, loved her to pieces as a person. And I, I had that kind of bleeding heart, wanted to help out and, and hire her and really help her build her own business as well. Um, but uh, it didn't end up working out because as a business owner and a contractor, we didn't jive. And it wasn't that, you know, like I couldn't tell her what to do. It was, it was just that the way she worked and the way I worked, it didn't work together. So I quickly learned that I had to ask different questions and I couldn't just hire people based off of, I like you and I want to help you. 
So I started to recognize that I had to find people with the right personality and the right outlook on, on work. And for me, that meant I needed people who had that take charge, a proactive approach to things because I don't like to micromanage and I prefer people to ask forgiveness than permission. Like, Hey, I tried this. What do you think? And then I can be like, yeah, that's great. Or no, no. I'd rather that than somebody waiting for me and saying, well, I didn't know. So I was waiting for you to tell me and then nothing gets done. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like the handholding. I like to be like, here you go. But most importantly, and what I've found with my team, which this was something I was actually afraid of with growing my team was I didn't want to not do what I do. So I was like, how do I grow a team and still do what I do? Like, what do I make them do if I'm still doing it? And that is that we work collaboratively. So we literally are a team. Like it is not a bunch of people working on different projects. We're all working on the projects. So for instance, Mallory, who comes from your group, Mm -hmm. uh, super amazing and she jokes and I joke that we're soul sisters, uh, though we're 10 years apart and she's six <laughs> foot and I'm five foot one, but you know, whatever. We share the same brain and personality half the time. But she's super outgoing. She's an ENFP, so am I, which now that's like one of my new things. Are you an ENFP to people when I talk to them? And they totally are. And then I'm like, yes, you're perfect. Um, <laughs> so, but it's about, you know, like Mallory and I, it'll, uh, we'll have a project and she'll start something and bounce it to me. And I'll say, you know, I kind of like, what if we did X, Y, Z? And it's, it's that merging of the minds. Mm-hmm. Um, I like having that collaborative aspect. Okay. Let me back up a minute. Well, one of my big dreams back when I thought I, I wasn't dreaming about being an entrepreneur, but really I was, uh, one of my big dreams way back in the day with my friend that I was building websites with, was that we would eventually open up kind of like a shop where we would employ other people and not like a shop, like we'd sell things, we'd sell services and people would come into our office, but we would, we would be like the coolest bosses. Like we wouldn't be those awful bosses that didn't let you take time when you had something you needed to go do. And we, people would love us and we'd be cool to work with and awesome. And I've always held on to that dream. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what I'm building now. Uh, at least that's what Mallory tells me I am doing. Yeah. Um, And it's, you know, I want to make sure I always tell my girls, I'm like, you know, if for some reason, you know, the kid gets sick, don't feel like you still have to hit that deadline, toss it back to me. It's like playing on a court in a sporting event. Like you don't just give the ball to one person and then expect them to take it down and, and play the whole game. You pass it back and forth so that you ultimately get to that end goal. Wow. That's an interesting analogy. Um, sorry, I'm all about analogies and that's one I hadn't thought of yet. But that's really how, I, how I'm building my team is like, yeah, but I'm kind of the coach, but I'm not on the sidelines. I'm in the field with you. I'm, yeah. I'm working with you. I'm passing the ball with you. Um, and we're all working collectively to get to that end goal. So I love that because it still keeps me building websites. It still keeps me actually designing and, and using the creative juices and not just doing the business, but it also affords me more time to work on the business side of things, to build the business, grow it, grow our team, get more clients, you know, and, and really to keep the business moving forward. So that's been amazing. So yeah, that's how I built my team. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. And so you, you hire based on personality. Do you like, what else do you look at? Do you look at skill level and what you know, or what, like, what does, what does that look like? So it depends on the position because I usually keep people kind of branding or websites. And then once they're in, we, we try to cross train, but it's Mm -hmm. easier to bring them into one aspect. So like for design, I would want to at least see that they have kind of like the design eye. They Mm -hmm. don't have to know all the programs and stuff that that stuff I can train, but Mm -hmm. I can't a hundred percent train you to how to design if you just 
your brain doesn't compute that way. Mm -hmm. Um, So for the design side, it would just be like, do you have that innate ability to at least be able to say like, these two things go together and these don't? How can someone show that if they don't have a design background, they've never had clients before, they're kind of starting to get their feet wet and how can someone show that they have like a design eye? I think the best way to do that, especially if like you're still learning the program, so you feel like you can't uh, maybe develop a design yet because you don't know the programs, would be even just taking somebody's existing design, like finding good and bad design and doing a comparison and explaining why something is good and why something is bad. That's literally all you have to be able to do. So if you're building a business where you're trying to build design into it and you want to show people you know what you're talking about, but maybe you still need to learn the programs or you don't have a portfolio piece to to put up yet, is go out and grab images that are good and bad and make a blog post explaining why this is good and bad and what you would have changed or done differently about them to make them better because that shows somebody that you at least have the concepts you you at least understand. So like if you saw something with horrible font or uh, that the spacing between the letters was off, or maybe those colors are completely wrong. Uh, for instance, if you go to Arizona, McDonald's, uh, there's a McDonald's in uh, Sedona, I think it is, that actually has teal arches instead of yellow arches because of the shopping center they're in and they wouldn't let them change the color. But it's ugly and it does not look appetizing and it does not make you want to eat their food. And that would be a horrible thing. So color of somebody's logo, does it fit? Like, Teal is not an edible color. We don't eat things that are teal. We eat things that are, you know, yellows and reds and, and greens. So knowing those sorts of things and understanding that would be fantastic. If you feel like you can say like, this looks good and this looks bad, but you can't say why, go research and mm-hmm. you'll start to grab some of the verbiage that you need. And then that way you can develop and write the article as to why it's bad, why it's good and what you would do differently. Mm-hmm. But that alone right there, just even a single article that explains why something is good or bad in a, in a design would showcase to me that they have at least the basic concepts of, of mm-hmm. designing and have that designer eye. For website stuff, just a basic tech knowledge, or I would say even the ability to or desire to learn is the biggest one there because most of the tech stuff you can teach to mm-hmm. a certain degree. But for me, when I'm bringing somebody on, it's just have you ever been in the back end of WordPress? Do you understand it? Do you know where to find things? Uh, because the rest of it I can teach you. Yeah. Uh, I just don't want them to be lost. And while I could teach them the back end of WordPress, that's just a lot easier if they at least have that, have that basic knowledge. knowledge and then I can I can work with them from there. So yeah, so skill level isn't 100% necessary. Everybody that gets employed with me uh, gets 100% access to me basically. So my girls are always on Voxer. They're always asking questions. Michelle, who does websites with me, she's building her own packages and things and she'll boxer me and say, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? You know, I was thinking about uh, doing this for my clients or structuring it this way. Uh, So we talk about things that have to do with their businesses as well as mine and I'll hop on zoom. So like she was doing something in illustrator the other day and she's like, you know, Photoshop's more my thing and not illustrator. And so I was like, let's hop on zoom. And so I popped in and I was like, this is how you would do it in illustrator. And she's like, Oh my gosh, that's so easy. I was like, yeah, there you go. So I, I don't I don't mind training. I like to train. I like mm-hmm. to help them because my goal with my team isn't just to have that awesome team of mine, but all of my gals have their own businesses that they're building and I want to help them find that same success that I've found. Eventually I'll be sad and it'll be bittersweet because they will leave me. But my goal isn't to keep them forever. My goal is to be able to set them free into their dreams 
because they're helping me build mine right yeah. now. Wow. I, I love that. You sound like an awesome team to be on. And I am so jealous of all the people in my group that are on your team because I want, <laughs> I want to learn from Samantha. <laughs> but, and you're working on something to help. Yeah help people that are wanting to take a design business, start a design business, grow their design business. Can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like, what that program is, how you can help people that maybe aren't as lucky as Michelle and Mallory who get to be on your team? Yeah, definitely. So first of all, my team gets 100% access to all of the stuff that I build. So they actually get access to this program as well. And it's being revamped. So it actually started as something completely different. And for almost the last year-ish, it was more of like a DIY mentorship membership type program. And I decided to turn it into a full like you pay once type program or earn payments, but a lump sum program. And it's walking people through what it is to build the business that I have, Mm -hmm. um, for lack of a better word. Uh, cause I feel this one is overused, but so is my brain. So I can't think of a better one at the moment <laughs> is, uh, like a blueprint. It's a, it's a path that they can take, um, to really structure and make sure that the foundation of their business is strong. So it is called the business blend mm-hmm. and it walks you through. So like the first module is all about getting ready, by the way, it's totally like dating analogy here. So it's getting She's ready all about and, the analogies. I am. I am. Though I'm stealing this one from Dana. (laughs) I tried to think of a better one, but there wasn't one. So I stuck with the dating one. So it's getting ready, which is all about like defining your ideal client and narrowing your niche, putting together your packages, all the things you need to kind of feel ready to put yourself out there. And then attraction, uh, which is all about getting people to come in and, and, and get to know you. So the leads, questionnaires that you might have them fill out, how you position yourself, so that they see you as an expert and want to work with you. Mm-hmm. And then the dating, which is, you know, you're kind of talking about things. Are they going to work with you? Aren't they? So the calls <laughs> that you would have, you know, those discovery calls, the proposals that you send out and how you can nurture them without being salesy, which is totally something that I learned in a program I was just in. And I absolutely loved it. It was kind of this like magical aha moment because we've all sent out a proposal and then been like, they haven't answered. Yeah. And you send an email and you're like, are you still interested? And you're like, yeah. I feel so desperate. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just sign. <laughs> yes. I don't want to sound desperate, but you're not answering me. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know. So a way to do that without doing that, which is awesome. And then uh, the committed relationship. Yay. They said yes. And you're going to onboard them. What that looks like, the process that you take them through and the experience that they have while working with you. Because for me, that was a huge mindset shift was I had to get my customer and client experience to a certain level before I felt I could charge a certain dollar amount. So what that looks like, what type of experience uh, you want to take them through, how to manage your projects and then how to deliver them to them. And then the last one is to keep the love alive, which is all about getting referrals from those awesome clients, you know, how to, how they are raving fans, the testimonials and how to get testimonials from them. And there's a whole questionnaire that they fill out and all sorts of stuff and how to, how to get those perfect testimonials that speak to getting more people to buy from you. Mm-hmm. And then retainers, how to get that ongoing recurring revenue, you know, which that, is that the one. hardest part <laughs> of design businesses. 
Yes. Design and web. They both, yeah. because you, we're, we're so programmed to think about like, okay, we're going to do a brand and then it's done. Oh, we're going to do a website and then it's done. Yeah. And so how do you, how do you continue that? How do you keep that going? Which is something I'm in the process of. I've done it in small bits, but I'm starting to expand that again. Remember my word for the years, expand. expand. So everything I'm doing is, is expanding. And that includes that recurring revenue, which is definitely a lot harder on the graphic design side because convincing people they need to pay you every month for graphics is always a hard thing, but it's all about how you position it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, in order for them to see the value in what you're offering, not just I'm buying X number of images a month. Um, So speaking more to those, those benefits and value than the Mm -hmm. features, uh, which so many of us are stuck in the features. Yeah. Wow. And so does this program, does it cover design skills? And like, if I, if I'm maybe one of those people that I feel like I kind of have that eye, like I might have that eye, I can look at two images and say why this one's good, why this one sucks. Does your program include any of the, like how to learn some of this and get better as a designer? So here's the awesome thing. The program is more about the business side, Mm -hmm. but the bonus courses and modules and things will all be about all of that extra stuff. So Mm. there's stuff about marketing. There's stuff about mindset. There's stuff about systems, which programs and things to use to run your business. And there are guest experts that come in as well. So for instance, I'm going to have Ilya from CNV come in and talk all about branding from that perspective, where we're going to talk more about the design and, and training the designer and training your design eye even. So it's not just learning from me. It's not just learning the business side, but it's learning everything. But I want to give the, the core part of the the program is about giving you that solid foundation to start from. Mm-hmm. And then all of the bonus stuff, all of the experts are all about all of that extra stuff that just strengthens and builds upon that foundation. So awesome. Yeah. I love it. Well, really cool to kind of start wrapping up because we have been going, girlfriend. No, I talk a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You've given us so much of your time and I'm so appreciative. But I just want to see, I kind of try to wrap up each interview asking a couple questions. So what the first question I like to ask is what would be your final parting advice or final words of wisdom to moms that are in like a transition period, either I'm going to start a business or I'm going to, I'm thinking about making this big, scary leap. What is your advice to that mom in that transition Okay. So I'm going to say, first of all, my advice is probably not the advice most people would give. It's probably, I don't know if it's anything spectacular, but this is what I tell myself. Breathe, first of all, because we tend to hold our breath when we're about to make those big scary leaps. Yeah. Breathe. It will be okay. And this is something that I found out probably most with the the, the big scary leap I just made. And that is that getting out of your comfort zone and taking those big risks and taking those big leaps is probably the most motivating thing ever. I have been more productive in the last two days than I have probably been in the last two months because you have to get stuff done. So Mm -hmm. believe in yourself, take the leap, know that amazing things happen when you get out of your comfort zone. And above all else, don't worry. It always works out. It always works out. Like, that's my dad, the, the two big mottos that my dad always said, which come from like, well, one comes from a song, 
it, they totally molded me, which was don't worry, be happy and be flexible. And <laughs> that's kind of how I am. And mistakes happen. Failures happen. Don't be afraid to fail. Um, something that we always say to our kids is the only 100% way to fail is if you just don't try. Don't try. So try, try again and keep going. Uh, we've all had failed launches. I can I can tell you firsthand, I have sold zero of many a thing um, that I spent months <laughs> developing. You've had people um, tell you no. <laughs> I've had people tell me no. Heck, I've even had horrible clients who called me crazy. But you just got to get out there. You got to learn. It is not nearly as scary in real life as it is in your head. Right. I love that. What's been your best business investment? Oh, okay. So I'm going to give two answers on this one. Okay. Monetarily speaking, I recently went through a program called WP Elevation. Uh, Really awesome. It's very similar to the program I'm developing myself, but I'm putting my own spin on it and my Mm -hmm. take because they're very WordPress website building only and have a bit of a a male perspective on things. Whereas Mm -hmm. I wanted to put that female perspective and vibe on things. Mm -hmm. Um, But seeing how they ran the program, getting some of those aha moments, I was able to, to make adjustments in my business and then see how I wanted to revamp my own program. So I feel like that was one of the best investments monetarily speaking. Actually, there's, there's probably a second monetary investment that was really amazing for me. And that was the boss mom Academy. Mm-hmm. And that that's right because, and that's because that one, it, st- it, it builds into, into my second, my non-monetary one. And that is the relationships that I've built. Mm-hmm. Um, so the people that that's been the best investment is really investing in the people who support me, investing in the people who, who get me. And that's investing in my time, investing in my money. So for instance, now I work for Dana, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I invested in her by going into the academy, but that built relationship, that built know-how, that built a lot of things. And most importantly, it built that relationship that when Dana needed something and she knew I could do it, she came back to me. So, But also the people that I met in that group, some of them are my clients now. Some of them are just really amazing friends that I connected with and I are trusted advisors for me. So people people are, are probably the best things. The, the relationships that I build with them are, are one of my best investments. Awesome. What is your favorite business book or podcast? Ooh, so you'll love this one. Yeah. <laughs> and if I you don't, don't like books or podcasts, you can just tell us. No, um, I, I love both. So I haven't had a chance to listen to a lot of podcasts recently. So, but my favorite when I was listening to them was, was Boss Mom. Mm-hmm. But I would say there's two books, two books that I, I have loved immensely that one is not really a business book, but it helps a lot with your personal space, which affects your business. And that is Rachel Hollis's uh, Girl, Wash Your Face. I get that uh, so answer I, a lot. I love that one. Um, but another one that I absolutely loved was Lean In. Uh, Lean I've In by and one of my favorite pieces of it, um, which made me think of a, a Dr. Seuss book, I'll explain, <laughs> is uh, she talks about mentors and mm-hmm. people seeking out and searching for mentors. And she's like, you don't seek out and search for a mentor. Like you don't go out with that goal. You connect and you build relationships and that person just automatically ends up mentoring you, mm-hmm. um, which is so true. 
But the way she said it was people going out going, will you be my mentor? And all I could think was, will you be my mother? (laughs) So I think of people seeking mentors a lot like that Dr. Seuss book of a little birdie looking for his mother and finding all the wrong people along the path. And that's what happens a lot when people go out to seek mentors is they they're seeking wrong things. Mm -hmm. And so they never find the right mentor. And what you need to do is just kind of do your thing, get in your space, build those relationships and your mentor will will naturally come. So I really liked that bit from the book, but Mm -hmm. she has so many other amazing things that she, she talks about in lean in. So those two are, are two of my favorites. Two of your favorites. And what is your favorite thing? Last question about the work at home mom life. Oh my gosh, being able to set my own schedule. <laughs> that was one of the, the biggest things. And what I mean by that is here's this. Uh, so my son's been in preschool for a year, not the free kind. It's not public school. It's paid for. And when I was talking to my husband about putting him into preschool, I was like, I need more time to work on the business. It's too difficult with him here at home. My husband's response was, isn't that why you work from home so that the kids can be home with you? I was like, no, (laughs) I work from home so that if the kids need me, I can be available without feeling guilty to call into work and all this other stuff. And I can set my own schedule and be my own boss. But it's not so that they have to stay home with me. Like I'm not homeschooling them. I did not build this so that I am with my children 24 seven. I love them to pieces, but we all need a break. So it's being able to have that flexibility. That's, that's really what it is. I love it. I love it. Me too. Me too. So where can we find you? We want to check out your program. We want to hang out with you. That is my absolute last question. I promise. Okay. Well, you can find me at neapolitancreative.com. And I will preface that with it's neapolitan. So NEA. Uh, We'll put it in the show notes, guys. And same handle for Instagram, Neapolitan Creative, and on Facebook. Uh, so I'm in those three spaces. Awesome. Well, we will link to that in the show notes. And Samantha, thank you so much for your time, for sharing your story, and just all of the the nuggets and life lessons that we can take and apply to our business and just do awesome things. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun chatting with you. And sorry, I talk so much. <laughs> Sometimes good interview or long interviews are great because you can take a real long walk and (laughs) we've accompanied you on this awesome long walk. So thanks for sticking with us, guys. Man, I don't know about you, but I got a lot out of this episode with Samantha. My biggest takeaway is that to take a business from the hobby stage to thriving success, you have got to first take your business serious, figure out how to turn your weaknesses into strengths. And then one way to scale is by building your team. And if you are just starting out, guys, you can be on someone's team. You can be the one to help someone grow their dreams. And if you are ready to scale, don't be afraid to hire on team members and or freelancers to help support your business. We've got an awesome hire form that leads straight to the women in our program, all who would make an amazing addition to your team. So check that out at MichaelaQuinn.com forward slash hire. And lastly, thanks for joining me. This was a long episode, but again, Sam and I had such a great conversation. I couldn't stop. P.S. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes and enter our giveaway. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.